37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 139 of Pixelated Paranormal, and this time around, the band's all here. That's right. I got Steven and Preston both. Just like the Blues Brothers. That's right. The band back together, <laughs> bro. Were there three Blues Brothers or just two? No. Well, John Goodman uh, came in after What's-His-Name died, so technically there are three Blues Brothers. It's technically, I have to off one of you guys. <laughs> yeah. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Uh, well you've probably realized this uh it's not wednesday it's actually thursday so for now until everything kind of levels out we're going to push back the release dates of these episodes to thursdays for now because presto and i um our schedules have kind of gotten a little wonky and we have to get up super early on tuesdays now so it's just too much to try to edit a show after being up you know since five in the morning so We'll start pushing things back to Thursdays, and then when things kind of level out, we'll see if we can go back to Wednesdays. Indeed. I want to say um, mm. shout out to all the listeners out there, because this is a definitely a stressful time from everything from um, personal life to financial life, job life, medical life. And I just want to make sure that everybody out there knows that we're thinking of you during this time. If you ever need to reach out yeah. to any of us, just hit us up on all of our social accounts, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll definitely talk to you. It's definitely a hard time, and tons of people are affected by it. So, yep, for sure, for sure, for sure. I just uh, ripped both of your heads off a minute ago before I even started recording. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all a little tense right mm-hmm. now, but yeah, are you guys uh, are you guys getting through it? We don't have to go into details, but I mean, you guys both making your way through all this crap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It's a little stressful. I mean, I don't have a significant a significant other like you guys do. I don't have mm-hmm. children. Um, you know, in that aspect, I got a nephew. You know that I care about um, elderly people. Both of my parents are extremely sub um, would be highly candidate for contracting COVID, and because of that, it's putting a lot of stress on that. Because on one hand, I have a mother who's extremely religious and her faith is all important to her and she also has extreme mental illness and addiction mm-hmm. and then my my father as we stated many times on this podcast he is in that QAnon stuff like all the conspiracy things so like he still thinks that the virus is a hoax and he's invincible and it's crazy <laughs> so it's really it's really stressful you know and like it's all coming yeah. to a, a head so to speak because it's like ah oh. but you know, when I when I lost that job opportunity because of this virus, it was really it was really damning and like really spirit breaking, and it still sure. is. But now seeing there's so many people in the world going through the same exact thing, it's a little mm-hmm. bit less of a thing. But it's still everything is up in the air still, and I that's the weirdest feeling. Like every day, you're not knowing what's going to happen the next day. It's yeah, really very really true. weird feeling. Yep. It really is. Presto, how are you, uh, other than installing new safety doors? Yeah, that's it, man. So <laughs> Now, was that just because you needed them? 
Yeah, both of uh, so when I bought the house, you know, it was an older house. So the mm-hmm. back screen storm door was a uh, missing um, the uh, glass to it. And the front one was like kind of a rusted piece of shit. So we took it off a long time ago and, uh, you know, we got our tax money and everything back. So we like, we need to get the house a facelift. And, um, we'd have been talking about getting these security doors for a while. And then with everything else going on, we're like, fuck it. We should probably just go ahead and get those bad boys on. So, mm-hmm. and they look nice. I, you know, they gave the house oh, yeah. a, a facelift so yeah they really look good it's funny you talk about screen doors my back screen door we hadn't been here more than like a year and i was doing some weed eating around the back door i didn't realize it but i must have hit a rock and then i mean i was out mowing for like an hour and a half because we have a huge backyard finished up walked up towards the back door and realized the entire back screen door window was just like spider webbed and wah. just like just like a movie, I walk up to it, I saw it, and before I could even say, huh, it feels boom, and like just rains down in tiny little pieces all over the fucking concrete stoop. Damn. So I ran out and got a piece of plexiglass and kind of uh, <laughs> engineered it the best I could. So I've had a piece of plexiglass for my screen door window for like the last three years now. But I guess maybe now it's time to uh, upgrade. Well, on this episode, we're not going to have any news because, well, there's only one thing in the news right now, and I think we've already talked about it to death. So we're going to do a little backstory about the most famous haunted hotel of all time, perhaps, the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park. And uh, I think, what would we call this? The Stanley Hotel or how Preston and Jeffrey spent their spring break? Yeah, I mean, I titled it um, Call Me Daddy. Um, <laughs> and he did. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that because that's a that, that's a very important part of our trip but i'll let you when it's all said and done i'll let you name it however it is that you want to name it but uh, well i'm gonna name it call me daddy or how preston and jeffrey spent <laughs> their spring break <laughs> yes that's and what this I like. could this could be the last spring break that anybody takes or has taken for a little while so you actually uh you're a bit of a lucky bastard, and you too, Steve, because you've been to the Stanley as well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I was going to finish the trifecta and go exactly one week after Preston got back, and um, our spring break was canceled because everything in downtown Estes and downtown Boulder had shut down. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Corona. Yeah, ruining everybody's vacations. Right. So yeah, I missed it, so maybe we'll touch back on this after Shayla and I go. As- in, like, in November, right? It was crazy. Whenever, uh, which I don't know, I think that'd be kind of cool in November because it, it'll have a chance of it being snowy up there will be tight, and that would be really oh, true. beautiful. Um, there was a girl on my Facebook that had just went to the Stanley, literally like the weekend you guys were supposed to go, and you canceled. Then the oh really no, the next weekend after that, before state of emergency happened. And so she was in there going to Stanley, walking around, taking pictures with all the stuff. Oh, no other wow. shops, just that place itself. And then yeah. that day, it he, you know, they called the state of emergency and then they had to come back because they shut it down. But then when she <laughs> got back here, she was ordered by, um, you know, her doctor and probably reinforced that people are like, oh, you traveled to a hot zone. You need to quarantine. 
Like, Interesting. Sure. So Colorado itself was just a hot zone at that point. Yeah, it was like Denver and Denver area. She went to Denver, Boulder, okay. shit like that. So in all them places, they're hot zones, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So they say if you come in contact with stuff like that, you should quarantine for 14 days. So she's just about done with her 14 days now. Nice. And yeah, and because when Preston, when you were there, they were starting to name different counties, but nowhere you went was actually a hot zone. Yeah, every uh, every county that went other than those were quarantined off. So because we were checking it, we we're like, oh shit, oh no, we're good. So yeah, shit. Do we have enough gas to get to the next county? God, that's so weird. That's bizarre. Keep the windows up. Right. Yeah, that's. I can't even imagine, man. It's so bizarre. And now, um, our uh, our friend Patty, she. She just messaged me tonight and was talking about how Denver is just pretty much a ghost town. Like, it's just so bizarre to, like, you know, drive home from work and there's nobody out. All the hot spots are just completely dead. Rarely anybody's even on the street right now. Yeah. It's it's like a uh, weird dystopia movie. I don't know. Yeah, like a zombie outbreak or something, like Night of the Comet. And, I, and that's why, at the first, I wanted to say that, you know, and I know we don't need to talk about this forever, but just it affects so much more than just personal health. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's, there's so much mental health involved in this. There's so much financial, like it is over, it's overbearing and it's hard to shut your mind off and go, you know, and go with that. They're like, okay, everything's going to be okay. Cause like, you know, my rent is due, but my roommate got laid off. So we're going to pay half, you know, that's what we can afford. And then mm-hmm. when we hopefully get the stimulus check, we'll pay that back and be good. Right. Because, you know, that's the responsible thing to do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But there's other people out there that either, A, won't do that or can't do that because they got either, they lost their job and that little stimulus check ain't going to go too far. Right. And it's a really weird Well, time. and, you know, I know, I know people personally who reached out to their landlords day one. And they said, hey, the news just announced that right now, you know, you can't really, as a landlord, retaliate for not receiving rent on time. I'm not going to skip out, but, you know, it might be a week or two late, but I'm still going to pay. But I just got laid off. And their landlord said, oh, well, that's fine. I'll just alter your contract and put you at a month to month. That way, if you can't pay, you're not going to break your lease if you have to leave early. Passively, aggressively saying, pay your rent or I'm kicking you out anyway, and I can do it legally. Well, so. And that it is true. They can do it legally. But our mutual friend Julius just was on the news tonight. Um, his apartment complex was given these notices, basically, saying, like, mm-hmm. hey, we hope you're safe and all this stuff. And um, on there it said, just a reminder that rent is due in the first and you have seven days before the late fee kicks in. We know these are stressful times, but we all need to work together to blah, blah, blah. You know, like, so he's like, all right. So he messaged all all the news people. You know, Holy that's, crap! That's, and how's that working together? That's saying I know times are tough, but I still want yep. my money. So, and if you're if you're a homeowner and you own just you know a rental property or two or three, I get that. Mm-hmm. But if you're an apartment complex yeah. manager, mm-hmm. like no, you'll be fine. Yep. So like, yeah, it's, it's really it was really crazy, and it was his view on it was a little different than the other people that they interviewed too, because he's like, I'm I'm fortunate enough to be able to pay my rent. But he's like, I'm, at, mm-hmm. I'm here advocating for the people that, you know, he's like, I got neighbors that work at places that they can't go to work and they live paycheck to paycheck. How do you expect them to pay their rent? And, you know, because, like, yeah, it's just, that's what I'm saying, man. So like, it's important to shout it out there to everybody, even though they're hearing from everybody else. Just 
keep your head on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the three of us are lucky enough to be able to work. And, uh, you know, it's it has not not affected me. Like, I had to reach out today to a couple places just to let them know, like, hey, you know, um, you know, I'm still working, but my hours have have been reduced in a way. You know, I'm still able to make up the difference, but, you know, my wife's hours, she her hours were cut. Luckily, she could work from home, but it's not a full-time mm-hmm. uh, position currently. I mean, because they can subsidize because you're not going to have to actually be physically in the uh, the place where she works. So they cut their hours down a little bit. So, I mean, it, it does affect you, and you can sit here all day long and think, oh, it's never going to affect me. And then when you sit back and look, and you're like, oh, shit, well, just missing, like, just missing two days of paycheck is still a bill. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's still something that you have to pay. So I mean, yeah, luckily luckily enough, we were given the uh, the olive branch to defer a few things for like sixty days. And I mean, I jumped on it. <laughs> Might as well because it's gonna help me. Yeah. You know. So yeah. Well, let's bring things back up into a positive swing and get into the Stanley. And Presto, are we going to dive into your experience at the end then? Yeah, I went ahead and saved all that for the end, so. Okay, sweet. Cool. All right. Well, for just a little backstory about the Stanley family, following their successful sale of the dry plate photography manufacturing plant uh, to the founder of what is now called Kodak, Freeland and his brother Francis gained the true business notoriety as creators of the best-selling steam-powered automobile, the Stanley Steamer. The Cleveland Steamer? <laughs> right. <laughs> so after finishing college, Francis Edgar Stanley married his wife, Augusta. Is that how you pronounce that, I guess? Sure. We'll go with it. <laughs> Augusta May Walker and opened a portrait studio. In 1882, Francis began experimenting with photography, and shortly after that, Freeland and his twin brother Francis began working together to create a new photographic product. By 1855, the Stanley brothers had established the Stanley Dry Plate Company in Lewiston, Maine. By perfecting their factory process and marketing their product across the country, the Stanley Company quickly rose to the predominance at a time when the market for factory-made rather than studio-made photography materials was just opening. The brothers quickly amassed a small fortune, and in 1890, they moved their business to Waterton, Massachusetts, and bought homes in nearby Newton. They then sold their photography company to George Eastman of Eastman Kodak in 1903. And then, of course, we all know their other business, the Stanley Motor Carriage Company, which was world famous because of the Stanley steam engine motor vehicle. And now they do vacuum. So, quick uh, story. (laughs) When we got to the hotel and uh, uh, the road that the hotel's on is called, like, Steamer Drive. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, like, you know, Stanley Steamer, get your carpet cleaner. So, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, like, this is the guy that made the fucking, like, steamer carpet cleaner and then i'm like oh no shit it's the steamer <laughs> car i feel like a dumbass no i thought the same thing dude whenever you were talking about this uh before and i was like oh wow the vacuum guy <laughs> <laughs> that's where the story begins with the stanley hotel in 1903 when freeland oscar stanley now 54 and his wife arrived in denver freeland himself was weak and underweight 
uh, from symptoms of tuberculosis. So half of his family members have had died from tuberculosis at this stage. And this was like his second time contracting the disease. And doctors told him like, dude, you're fucked. You're going to die. Cause he's like coughing up blood really bad. Oh, yeah. And uh, he'd been advised by a buddy to visit the mountains of Colorado for fresh air, sunlight, and a healthy diet. And to his amazement, just one season there was enough to restore his health, and he was better than before and had recovered from tuberculosis once again. Overjoyed, he vowed to return each summer for the rest of his life. However, he and his wife, Flora, were used to the sophistication of East Coast society. They're a little hoity-toity, little rich, little uppity. <laughs> and the little community of Estes Park offered little to stimulate and challenge the multi-talented genius. Now, I found out a slang term for somebody who has tuberculosis is a lunger. Really? L-U-N-G-E-R. And to me, a lunger was always the name for like a really good loogie that you would cough up. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh man, I just hocked up a lunger. <laughs> and apparently that all ties back to the coughing fits that a lot of your tuberculosis patients would have. So the Stanleys purchased over 6,000 acres of land in the park and eventually created a hydro plant in Fall River and also the area's first distributed pipe water system. And together, they resolved to build a beautiful grand hotel and when the Stanley Hotel opened in 1909, the first guests who pulled into the stylish Stanley-designed steam cars were astonished at what they saw. Here in, in this mountain wilderness surrounded by rustic haunts of the hunter and homesteader was an edifice that withstood comparison to the polished hotels back east. Electric lights, telephones, ensuite bathrooms, a staff of uniformed servants, and a fleet of automobiles were at their disposal. Naturally, Stanley also... Uh, had done much of to develop the town, which was like a little podunk hick town. And by mm -hmm. 1917, it was an official township with waterworks, a power plant, a civic organization. And uh, guess what? That's that's all thanks to Stanley. Man. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. What a lunger. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it was the golden age until about 1970 when it all went to shit. And uh, the hotel was a crap hole, and it was about to be bulldozed down. And then one night, uh, Stephen King and his wife needed to pull over and, you know, have a stay somewhere. So they pulled up to the Stanley, and wham, bam, thank you, man, some shit happened. And then the novel took place, and everything turned around for the Stanley, and it's been, uh, you know, golden ro roads ever since. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a similar story to the Crescent up in Eureka Springs, right? Like, it had its heyday uh, as an actual hotel, and then shit just kind of went south in yeah. the, around the 60s or 70s, and then it became a very popular tourist destination. Yeah. I'd like to say that I actually read a little bit of uh, Stephen King in the sister hotel that's supposed to be haunted uh, while we stayed there. I started reading it while I was sitting in the bathtub in that hotel. Ooh. Because I, too, am a hoity-toity bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not us. <laughs> and uh, to make things a little more X-rated, I'm sitting in a bathtub reading Stephen King's It, and in the room right next to ours, I listen to the sweet sounds of two people screwing in the neighboring bathtub. Hell yeah. Nice. So that was kind of <laughs> strange to sit there in a bathtub myself. and. It's true. He sent me the audio. The... Did I really? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, the acoustics were not that flattering. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the guest of the Stanley, or the ghost, Elizabeth Wilson. 1911, when the Stanley Hotel was being powered by gas lighting, a severe thunderstorm rolled through Estes Park, knocking out the hotel's power. So with the storm knocking out the power to the hotel, the guests were actually all ushered to the lobby while the hotel staff teamed up to light back up all the gas-powered lamps. However, unbeknownst to the Stanleys and the rest of the hotel staff, Room 217 had an unknown gas leak, which was quickly discovered by Elizabeth Wilson as she entered the room whilst holding a lit candle. Yeah, the explosion <laughs> that emitted destroyed almost 10% of that part of the hotel Fuck. and actually sent Elizabeth crashing through the floor, landing on the next floor down, breaking her ankle. Of the three maids injured by the massive explosion, which reportedly blew up, like I said, 10% of the 70,000-foot hotel, Wilson actually survived and continued working at the hotel and became the head chambermaid until her death in the 1950s. She's kind of she lived. A, hmm? She's kind of like that lady off of uh, Tiger King that got her arm bit off by a tiger. Like it's not the tiger's <laughs> fault, so she just went back to work. Like it's not the hotel's fault. It almost blew me to Kingdom Come, and she just oh, went back to work. <laughs> uh, I, wa nice. I watched an interview with him and David Spade. <clears throat> oh, how was that? Yeah, it's really, it's really good. He actually interviewed all of the major characters in that show, except for a couple. Yeah. Uh, and mm -hmm. it, it's pretty good. And it, I'm sure everybody knows we're talking about the Tiger King show. Uh, it's very, mm -hmm. very trendy right now, but it's really good. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, the Zeph is, is his name and it's actually, uh, his pronoun that he goes by is him, but the documentary, there's a bunch of drama with the documentary of why they didn't do that. So, Oh, so yeah. oh, okay. Cause yeah. I was going to correct you, but no, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Yes. So I just wanted to do No, I'm glad you did. Cause I didn't even realize that myself. Yep. So, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Coolio. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Tiger King, Stephen King, it's all relevant. Yeah. No <laughs> that... Whose fault is it that the Stanley Hotel blew up? Fucking Carol Baskin. Baskin. It's that bitch Carol Baskin. Baskin. <laughs> 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 All right, so many believe that uh, old uh, Elizabeth has returned to the hotel in death and has taken a liking to hanging around room 217. Guests have reported that their belongings will become unpacked during their stay in this room, objects will move around on their own, and disembodied voice of a woman uh, can be heard during the night. Some have also claimed to see the apparition of Elizabeth walking through room 217 and exiting straight through the wall uh, which was once a doorway. But why? Why is she haunting this? Like she didn't. Because that's like her. Like that she poured her life into this hotel, Steve. Like that was her life was working in this hotel. So after she died, she loved it so much. She's like, "Fuck it, fuck those pearly she white loved gates." It so I'm going back much. to the hotel. I wish I loved my job that much. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you could constantly see the ghost of Stephen Derome yeah. hastily leaving, yeah, leaving. The premise every morning at eight a.m. Yeah. It's like <laughs> fuck this place. It's like uh, Beetlejuice when you try to leave, you come back hours later. Damn it, I'm back. Oh. 
Yep. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, hang on. So what she might be doing, you could think that maybe she's haunting room 217 to prevent any further catastrophes because that might be a moment in yeah. her life, if you choose to believe, that struck such a oh. uh, lasting memory that she she herself and her spirit is haunted and tied yeah. to that room due to that catastrophe. That Welcome to my TED Talk. Yeah. Now, she's also, <laughs> or was, because she's dead, but uh, in life... Uh, she was a straight shooter and uh, she didn't believe in unmarital sex. And uh, so if uh, let's say you and uh, your fiance, you and your girlfriend or you and your mistress are banging some out at the hotel, she is likely <laughs> to show up in your room in the middle of the night and uh, push apart those would be spooners uh, to create a space so that uh, the lady may have her honor intact the next morning. Oh, yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that'd, that'd be so, that, I think that'd be a weirder haunting than being possessed. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? I'm just giving you space. <laughs> the ghost of Elizabeth. Social distancing, motherfucker. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Ten inches for Jesus. Give some space. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. This never happens, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> So the Stanleys also are said to haunt the hotel. And why, Steve? Because they poured their love into that fucking place. Um, the Th Stanleys are thought to still linger within the hotel that they built. Ferdinand Oscar Stanley has been sighted all throughout the hotel, yet is most frequently seen inside the hotel's bar. Many of the staffs believe that he is still looking after operations of the hotel, and they claim to be able to feel his presence around them. And we were also told stories on the ghost tour, like if little children got lost or if a guest got lost, uh, they would see this old man in like a Colonel Sanders suit and they'd be like, you know, hey, I'm trying to find this. And he'd actually take them to the spot where they needed to be. And then they turn around. And the guy was gone. So it's like he's that, you know, helping hand around the hotel. He wants to make mm -hmm. sure that the guests are being taken. He's care really of, just so. a Jedi spirit. Yeah. A little Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. It's like Mr. Rogers said, in time of crisis, find the helpers. Yeah. Also, speaking of ghosts, um, I don't know what the frick just happened, but as we're recording this, both my cat and my dog are asleep in the pet bed behind me, and I swear to God, I just felt what I thought was my cat brush up beside my leg. I felt his tail brush by my leg and wrap around it like he normally does when he walks by me. They're both sound asleep behind you me. You know what it is. Nothing under my desk. It's Carol fucking Baskin. <laughs> it's that bitch Carol Baskin. It's either that or it's, or it's that sleep paralysis demon you keep saying. don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already sleep deprived as it is. I don't need that shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Now, Mrs. Stanley, uh, she was an avid musician during her life, and some say that she still continues her hobby of playing the piano at the hotel. And phantom sounds of piano music when nobody's around, especially at 2 a.m., have been reported from both the music room and the concert hall at the Stanley. Now, the music room is where they hold the magic show, a.k.a. seance, and that mm -hmm. grand piano um, is, it, it's like roped off, so it's like under he heavy scrutiny, like nobody can go and touch it. Mm-hmm. And um, there was like this story. I can't think of the guy, the composer, um, but he had gave the piano as a gift to Mrs. Stanley. And then every year 
he would come back and he would tune it forward. He would fix it up and he would lift up the lid of the, the keys and make a mark. Well, when the, the hotel was getting ready to be torn down, some of the staff knew that that was Mrs. Stanley's, you know, beloved object. Like it was her prized possession. So they hid it in a storage unit because they didn't want anybody to sell it. So then when things started to go, you know, good for the hotel again, um, they found it, they restored it. Well, the company didn't realize that this famous musician had made those marks and that was a little bit of history toward it. Well, when they oh, restored wow. the piano, they actually <laughs> sanded those those tick marks out and it, it kind of ruined a little bit of the history. Well, wow. there's this story among the staff that one night, this lady in the whiskey bar, uh, there's like a little restaurant slash whiskey bar in the hotel. She was drunk as a skunk. And instead of going back up to her room, she made her way across the parlor to the music room, pushed the ropes out of the way, and was like, bam, 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 just banging <laughs> on the piano keys. And the staff is like, holy shit. So they run in there and they're like, ma'am, you need to get off that piano. And she's just spouting off this drunk sass, like, fuck you, I do what I want. Billy Joel, and then bitch. all of a sudden, <laughs> Billy Joel, bitch. The, the lid for the piano keys slammed down <laughs> the guy. on top of her fingers with such force that it split the ends and you could see the bones. So they had to rush her to the hospital. And ever since then, like, people dope. are like, don't fucking touch that piano. I thought, that piano's off I thought you were going to say that, like, Beetlejuice popped out of the piano lid. <laughs> Well, and I, I feel bad because you missed a perfect joke because you should have signed off that story by saying, and since then, the woman played a different tune. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh. Man, that's crazy, though. Are all her fingers? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. rough. So the fourth floor is said to be the most haunted within the Stanley Hotel. This area was once where the maid's quarters was located, and it is thought that many of their children still reside in that area. Some of them died from complications with tuberculosis and other diseases. The ghostly sounds of children playing, giggling, and running up and down the hallways are frequently reported by guests, even when living children are not around. Notable <laughs> haunted rooms? I would hope so. Mm. Yeah. 401, which uh, is haunted by Lord Dunraven, which was a kind of a explorer expeditioner that sold the land to the stanleys and so after the, you know he gave up all that property like they were like you know here's a room in the hotel well let's so you let's can be real here with a name like that he's definitely yeah. a fucking vampire and more dunraven reported <laughs> yeah it's reported that you can smell cherry pipe tobacco and whiskey in that room that's just preston was there oh yeah, yeah. and uh it now features- was he was he the ghost they called the stinky ghost Fuck, I don't know. Because there's a story about the Stanley of a ghost called, like, the Stinky Ghost. And apparently after stories started spreading about him, the aroma faded from being, like, old shitty pipe tobacco to, like, really sweet-smelling flowers and cologne and stuff like that. You know, it it might be, but uh, there's also a, on the the fourth floor, there's a uh, reports of a ghost cowboy that uh, has an aroma to him and like he's always at the end of the bed watching people while they're sleeping. And uh-huh. so it could be Lord Dunraven, could be the cowboy. They said in Lord Dunraven's room that the closet doors will open and close by themselves. And uh, so we'll get back to room 417 later, but when I was looking up research on haunted rooms on the fourth floor, 
There was one web article that a lady wrote that said that when Jim Carrey stayed the night at the Stanley Hotel after filming the scene for Dumb and Dumber, Mm-hmm. that they put him on the fourth floor and he in fact stayed in room 417 and he was only able to stay in there until about two or three in the morning when he's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Like he won't tell people what happened, but whatever happened was so bad that he could only say till about 2 AM. And he's like, peace, bitch. I'm out. <laughs> yep. Wow. That's now awesome. the tunnel, which is the basement of the Stanley um, it is like surrounded by like, uh, you know, like giant boulders that are made out of like quartz crystals. And there are all these like weird little hobbit holes that like go deeper into the ground. And some of those caves have collapsed. So they kind of have that off limits, but there is a chef who used to work at the Stanley. And it is said that when you go through the tunnel system to get to the, the servants entrance for where all the workers hang out, that you can smell these famous like cherry pies or like apple pies that the chef used to make. And so it says that the, the chef haunts the, the tunnels down below the Stanley. And, uh, there's also a white cat, um, that was, uh, one of the like hotel staff members, like favorite animal. Ghost kitty. And it had, it had died there. <laughs> so people report seeing this white cat with like glowing eyes Dope. haunt the tunnel and there's an actual pet cemetery, another Stephen King novel, um, on right. the premise of the Stanley Hotel. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the concert hall is said to be the second most haunted spot of the Stanley Hotel's grounds, and it is thought to be haunted by several spirits. One of these is a former employee named Paul, who worked as a handyman in the 1980s. Paul took great pride in his work, and it is no surprise that when he returned to his place of work and death, he is thought to, to communicate with people who have who have captured EVP of a male voice saying, get out. He is scratched guest. Uh, he is tugged on guest. He is hit guest, choked guest. If it's violent, it's probably Paul who done it. <laughs> uh, there's also a spirit of a lady named Lucy uh, who was, uh, I don't know, she liked to sing. So apparently she haunts down there as well. And uh, we'll get back to uh, that room in a minute because uh, part of my ghost experience took place there. Oh, Now room 217, the famous Stephen King room. So Stephen King spent a night there with his wife back in 1974. Um, him and his wife arrived at the hotel just before it shut down for the winter months, kind of like the premise of the novel. And uh, they were lucky to get a room, and they were placed in the presidential suite, also known as room 217. And the reason why they were put in that room is because that was the only room that the maids and the servants haven't, hadn't torn down. So it, it was the only room that, ha- that had clean bedsheets. So they're like, fuck it, this is the only room you can stay in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so King found himself hanging down at the bar, and he was getting drinks poured by a bartender named Lloyd. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Lloyd was the bartender in the shining novel. And just like in the novel, Lloyd told Mr. King that his money was no good there and the drinks were on the house. So he spent all night being told folklore and ghost stories by Floyd, getting drunk off his ass off whiskey and other fine spirits. And Stephen King made his 
way up to the fourth floor because he was like, fuck it, I don't want to go to sleep yet. I'm going to make my way around the hotel. And he saw what appeared to be two small children, possibly twins, on the fourth floor, turned back around, and they disappeared. And he was like, what the fuck? I'm drunk. Yes. <laughs> so he makes his way back down to his room, and before he, he goes to sleep that night, he comes across uh, an old fire hose. So like that, the hotel, in case of a fire the, along the walls, they used to have a series of like fire hoses. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, enamored by this fire hose like it looked like it came out of the early 1900s it was covered in brass and then he goes to sleep he has a nightmare that that fire hose came to life like uh, that the snake scene in beetlejuice (laughs) and it choked and killed his son and he was so frightened and terrified that when he woke up the next day he started going through packs of cigarettes and then bam Slam, thank you, ma'am. He wrote The Shining. It was just like instantaneous, like boom, 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 boom. Hmm. Now, I was told he had the premise worked out in the time it took him to smoke only one cigarette. He had the entire uh, outline written. Well, that's not how they tell it, you know, They in the, in the ghost tour. They're like, motherfucker was chain smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, no man can write an entire story in one cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> Takes at least a and box I, or two of cigarettes, all right? All right. work, no play, makes Jack a dull boy. Now, in the Kubrick movie, isn't that changed to room 237? Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right, Steve, it's your turn. Cool. Now, what, what, now what's, what's Steve about to read? So I came across in my research um, from Above Top Secret, a gentleman who claimed to work at the Stanley username what you know recounted uh his encounters with the ghost while he worked there in uh, the year 1999 Ooh. all right so okay well i have posted a bit on this here and there on the forums but i just wanted to share with you all my experiences were at working at the stanley hotel in ss park colorado I started work at Stanley in 1999 as a houseman. I quickly was promoted to accounts payable. After a while, I went on to be the night auditor. Hell no. Uh, Being the night auditor (laughs) at the hotel was loads of fun. I had a routine job bordering, bordering on boring because the set tasks I had to perform to get the job done right were simple. I would get them done in a couple hours. The rest of the night belonged to me. Well, onto the meat of this thread and why are you reading it? Yes, the Stanley is haunted by no fewer than five ghosts. They are distinct entities that move about the property. For the most part, they are not evil or malicious in any way. They are, for the most part, memories of the people they represent. I would hear people talk in the lobby when no one was there. I would see things out of the corner of my eyes while walking around. Usually this was just one person, the founder and first owner of the hotel, F.O. Stanley. If you went downstairs, it would sound like a lobby above you was filled with people walking around. Downstairs, there was the tunnel, a passageway from the garden level to the west end of the hotel, and beyond that was the employee parking lot, the general manager's house, the old gatehouse, the old corral, and both dorms. The fourth floor was the most haunted area in the hotel. I was often worried about going up there. One morning, while delivering the papers to the various rooms that had guests, I felt a tug at the back of my pants as if a small child was trying to get my attention. I would often get complaints from people on the fourth floor of a small girl crying, and they would want me to investigate the noise. Of course, I would never find anything up there, but I heard the cries before. The most heartbreaking sound I ever heard, by the way. 
Another time I was in my office working, listening to the blues on internet radio. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Another time I was in the office working, listening to the blues on internet radio, and I went to the bar to smoke a cigarette. I was sitting there enjoying my break when I turned around and saw a shadow stand up from the corner of the bar and walk towards me. I once was nearly dozing off in my office when a voice screamed out my name woke me straight up. I got loads of stories about the Stanley, and I'll post them here as time goes on, and if anyone is interested. Ooh. Pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I found two ghost uh, stories for the Stanley as well. In room 407, apparently people have reported being tucked into their bed. A little boy said that he kept kicking the covers off at night because he got too hot, and magically he kept waking up with the blankets being brought backed up, tucked around his shoulders, nice and nestled safe and sound in bed. He'd kick the blankets back off, fall back asleep, and wake up with the blankets pulled back (laughs) securely around his shoulders. And then another one says, Ghost children do mysterious things in room 14... I'm sorry, 418. Things in this room, like covers, are sometimes removed during the night, and hangers are known to do more than just move on their own. Bathroom lights have been reported to turn on and off, and a little girl, about four years old, and her mother were staying there years ago, and the following morning, the girl reported being tickled by a little boy during the night. But she said she wasn't afraid, but instead she simply told the boy to stop. And the little boy did exactly that. So Presto, what happened to you at the Stanley? So the the first night that we stayed there, and let me start off by saying that that hotel is like furnished by the bowels of hell. That hotel is fucking hot. Like it <laughs> snowed the night that we got there. And like we had all the windows open with the cold mountain air and we were still sweating our balls off both nights that we stay there like that hotel stays fucking hot like i can understand that boy wanting to kick off those covers uh-huh it's horrendously hot so the the first night that we we stayed there we checked in and we checked in room 201 so when you first go up the set of stairs to get to the second level the very first room right there was our room well there's a set of double doors that lock and you have to have a key card to open it to go to the like you know room 214, 217, all the way up to the other floors. So every drunk motherfucker from like midnight on kept going through those double doors and they would slam. Ugh. So we didn't get any sleep. And that was the night that we did the ghost tour. And uh, it was pretty cheesy. It, it was better than the one we had at the Crescent. But the the people that were with us were, were horrid. Like there was a group of like three girls and they're like, and we're on the fourth floor and we're staying in Mr. Dunraven's room. And I swear we've already smelled the tobacco and I think he's touched me already. And so as we're like, <laughs> you know, going through the history, um, we, we go to uh, the, the theater house or the opera hall, whatever it was. And um, the, the chandeliers in there were actually repurposed in the late eighties, early nineties by Dale Chihuly, which makes like these organic flowing sea creature looking glass like shapes. And they're just amazing. And every time the tour guide is trying to give off information, these fucking girls would just correct them. Um, actually this took place. And I was told, and like, you could see the guy getting really irritated, really uh, like annoyed. And it just kind of 
set a really bad mood for the rest of the night for us on the tour. Uh, but uh, the picture that we'll post in the show notes, you'll see me kind of uh, drunkenly sitting on a couch because we had previous to that <laughs> drank a lot at the whiskey barn, ate a, a very nice meal. And a shout out to our waiter, Josh, you the fucking man. Like this guy will take care of you. So if you go to the whiskey bar, find Josh, have him be your waiter. This guy was top notch. Now he takes care of you as far as like, oh, your money's no good here. <laughs> well, I wish, but he had the best recommendations and he kept the drinks of flowing. Like he oh, was nice. on top of that. So, oh yeah. Um, so the picture is of me on the couch, and that's Paul's couch. So it is said that uh, in in the back of that that room where Paul's couch was, that he would hang out, smoke cigars, drink, and then um, like on his breaks and on his lunches. So it's reported that he hangs out back there. And if he doesn't like you, like he'll nudge you off the couch, he'll push you off the couch. People will get scratches. So. In the middle section of that couch, there appears to be the shape of a, a white orb mm -hmm. to Jeffrey. I think it looks more like a giant cum stain on the couch, like the couch is just kind of worn right there. So wow. possibly, possibly not a ghost, but... Where uh, on the, I I see a, a white orb shape. Yeah. Where I think oh, it's just oh, kind the... of worn in the, in the middle of the couch there. I don't... Oh. I wouldn't say necessarily an orb, but... Um, Listener Gracie had sent me a, a photo on the ghost tour the pre or the following night from when we went. And uh, it says, so my friend went to the Stanley hotel over the weekend and did a night tour while doing the tour. He was taking pictures of the dance hall and check out the doorway exclamation point. We lightened them up a bit and this shit's crazy. Not sure if this was someone in the dark, but lighten up the photo. It is creepy. And you can see kind of a shadowy figure of a dude, um, in that picture. And it is the, tur huh. the tour guy had said that Paul likes to show up in pictures like that. So we can include that in the show notes. Is that the and one about the American flag? No, the, that black and white American flag. When they take you on that. Oh, that okay. oh tour, that's thing. Oh, that's creepy as shit. Yeah. The, the American flag, basically they said that there's like a face burned into the impression of the flag. So if you look at the top, three top four red and white stripes. There's like this weird glare on the photo. Yeah. And they said that that's the face of uh, like Mr. Stanley, like burned into the flag. Like he loved that hotel so much. I, I don't think it looks like a face. Fuck that. It's just a fucking stain on the flag, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. So the, the next day um, we get up and we just said, Hey, um, that room was like way noisy. We didn't sleep good. And so the lady is like, Oh, and the staff is super friendly. So if anybody goes there, the staff is amazing. And she was like, we'll move you right away. Let's see what we have. That's very similar to the room that you guys were in. And she's like, well, we have like room 434 and we have room 417 open and 417 has a balcony. It's got a balcony view. So we're like, shit, let's take that one. So we get up there and um, by balcony view, they just mean that the window's open and there's like a little ledge. You can't walk out on it. So, <laughs> but anyways, it's not as noisy, right? And so that night we got back to the hotel after, you know, walking around Estes Park and checking out all the stuff to check out. 
and we decided to do the seance slash magic show. And the, the lady that performs the seance claims that she is using the powers of Mrs. Stanley to help do the things in the show. Mm. So the very first <laughs> trick, I know, I know. So the, the very Sorry. first, the very first trick, what she does is she gets out a, a deck of playing cards and she'll tell you that, um, she, she asked for 10 people out in the crowd to stand up. So I, I stood up. Of course. Drunk, by the way. Again, I got this. Stop at the whiskey bar. Yeah. I'll tell you a thing or two about yeah. ghosts. Okay. <laughs> and so she said, I, I want you guys to, as you're walking up, I want you to quickly glance at the cards that I've fanned out on this table, but I don't want you to look at the cards at the very end. Because when people memorize things, the the very first thing and the very last thing get kind of fuzzy. So the stuff that you that you that's in the middle is what's going to stand out most. So I want you to look toward the middle of the deck, and I want you to think of a card, like pick any card. So all ten of us walk up one at a time, randomly look at the deck, and I picked like I don't know like ten of hearts, and I'm like, oh no, ace of spades or whatever. And so I went and sat back down, and she's like, okay, so the 10 of you that looked at the cards, I want you to picture an older lady in the back of your mind. So you're standing in this room, and there's an older lady there, and she looks like she's dressed in the 1800s. And I want you to walk up to her in your mind, and I want you to point out the card that you picked. And so we all pretend to do this, and so she's kind of like rubbing her foreheads, and then she just points to each person and she and she goes if i get it wrong i want you to sit down and so she goes to the first person off a car she goes to a second person off a car and by the time she got done nobody was sitting down so she got all the cards right she magically guessed through the power of spirit all the cards that the 10 of us had picked could be total bullshit i don't know uh-huh and then um, she did this where she got out a, a, a copy of The Shining, and she picked a lady out of the crowd. And she had the lady just sit there and flip back and forth, back and forth. And then she had her land on a page. And um, she said, okay, bookmark it. So the lady bookmarked, like, page 489, went and sat back down. And then she goes off to um, talk about how Mrs. Stanley had this favorite pearl necklace, and they have one of the pearls left. And so she picks and it's a, a stain on the couch. Stain on the couch. <laughs> and so she picks out this little girl because she said Mrs. Stanley was fond of children. So she asks for a couple children to stand up, and then she picks this little girl out in the crowd and says, "Do you mind helping?" And the little girl's like, "No, I'll do it." So she gives her like a bell. And it was like one of those like tea time bells, like the the people would be like, your tea's ready. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ling, ling, ling. And so she, she gives the little girl the bell and um, she's like, okay, I just want you to hold the bell still. So the girl's doing it and it's not making any noise. And she's like, okay, now I want you to move your wrist just a little bit and it's still not making any noise. And she's like, okay, I really want you to clank it. So this bell was so old that this little girl was just basically having to beat the shit out of this bell in the air to get it to make noise. And she's like, okay. 
So everybody knows how the bell works. All right, so hold the bell back out. And then she took the the white pearl, put it in a bag, and then put five black, I don't know, little fake diamond jewel things in the bag that were about the same size and the same weight. And then she went around, she picked five different people, and each one of them at random pulled something out of the bag but couldn't look at it. And then she called them up. And so she told the little girl that uh, she wanted her to use the power of Mrs. Stanley to try to see who had the, who had the pearl. So each person held out their hand and said, Mrs. Stanley, I have your pearl. And then the bell didn't ring. They go to the next person, Mrs. Stanley, I have your bell or your pearl. The bell didn't ring. And so she goes, are you, are you feeling anything? Do you feel weird? Do you feel sick? And the little girl's like, no. She pukes up. And then she pearl. asked she asked the next person, and then the bell didn't <laughs> ring. And she's like, I'm starting to feel cold. And then she asked the next person nothing, and she gets to the last guy, and he goes, Mrs. Stanley, I have your... And all of a sudden, the bell just starts going ape shit. And so she goes back to the first guy, opens his hand. It was a black bead. And she gets all the way down to the very last person that the bell rang at. He opens up his hand, and there was the white pearl. Maybe bullshit, maybe not. So crowd plant. Yeah. Now, before we walked in, there was a basket outside the doors, and they just said basically write a random song from like the 30s and the 40s on on that piece of paper. Just any song. You could Google something real quick, whatever you wanted, write it on there. So the the lady puts on a blindfold and her assistant basically says, is uh, there anybody out in the crowd who's a musician? And this one guy next to us raises his hand. He's like, I'm a fucking drummer. She's like, all right. So he pulls out a piece of paper and he goes up on the chalkboard and he's basically told to write down the name of the song, but he can't show it to anybody. So the whole entire time, the, the magician slash seance lady, she's blindfolded. She's sitting on Mrs. Stanley's piano And she's basically asking Mrs. Stanley to enter her body to help her play the song. And then as she's doing this, she tells the guy to go ahead and show the crowd what the name of the song is. And it was somewhere over the rainbow. And the lady starts playing like some random notes. And you're just like, dude, she's not getting it. She's not getting it. And then she keeps stumbling. And then all of a sudden, she starts playing somewhere over the rainbow and everybody in the crowd was just like, Holy crap. How'd she do it? Possibly the drummer was a plant or it could Mm -hmm. have been the, the ghost of Mrs. Stanley entered this woman's body and played that fucking song. Weird. I don't know. Overall. Did you have fun though? You and your, it was worth $20. Uh, It was a pretty cool little magic show, like a little street (laughs) magic ghost show. I, I thought it was pretty good. Hmm. Um, so we went back up to our room and went to sleep. And, um, so we're in room 417 and that's the room that, um, Jim Carrey supposedly couldn't stay a whole night in. And Sean's ghost story took place in 418. Hmm. Um, so we're asleep. It's, you know, maybe like midnight, 1230 and Jeffrey's having a bad dream and um right as she wakes up i wake up at the same time but i don't realize that she's awake and she doesn't realize that i'm awake but in the room we heard the small voice of a child go daddy and we both bolted up out of the bed at the same time and we're sitting there looking at each other and then again daddy 
but it, instead of being inside the room, it sounded like it was right outside the door. So she's like, go fucking look out the door, go out the door, look. I open up the hallway door, completely fucking empty. There was nobody in that hallway. There was nobody in that room, but we both clearly heard a small child say daddy twice while we were in that fucking room. Huh. And that was it. That was our ghost story. Wow. Interesting. You've seen something. And that's why we call the episode, You Can Call Me Daddy. It's <laughs> <That's> trippy, <laughs> though, man. Uh, so did you report that down there at the front desk when you left? No. No? Okay. Did you bring Fair any enough. of your machines or anything? Um, I downloaded a ghost box on my phone while we were there to see if I could get anything, but yeah. Cell phones there. aren't equipped to run yeah. ghost boxes. That's how I've always felt about the maps. I'm like, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. But if you had like an actual the machine that you have, I'm surprised you didn't bring that thing. What is it called? EV, EVP? PBS7. PBS7, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't bring that. Yeah. I thought about it, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm just, we're going to go have a vacation. <laughs> I'll excuse you for downloading the phone app then. Yeah. Right. Well, that's pretty cool, man. I'm glad you guys had a good time. And Sean, I'm sorry you yeah. didn't get to go, but hopefully you'll be able to go in November. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get to go again when all this blows over and the world is once again thriving. Right. I'm thinking maybe there'll be some cheap trips coming up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what's crazy is we called the Stanley, and the Stanley itself was still going to be open that weekend, as was the tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually were booking an additional round of tours because of how much they were going to have, you know, a demand for it. But all of downtown Estes, all of downtown uh, Boulder, they were both closed. And I want to give a shout out. Uh, Preston, do you recall where Savannah B Co. was? Was that in Boulder or was that in Estes? Yes, that was in Boulder. Boulder. Okay. I want to give a shout out to Savannah B Co. or Savannah B Company. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I called downtown Boulder's Chamber of Commerce via their suggestion on their website. And the guy answers the phone and I said, hey, listen, my wife and I are driving up in two days. Uh, So I called him on a Wednesday morning. The entire purpose of this trip is to go to the Stanley, do a tour. But also, I want to go to downtown Estes, and I want to go to downtown Boulder. And all we want to do is eat local food, drink local beer, uh, and and shop at local shops. That's the only reason to go to these little towns, in my humble opinion, is to go check out the local stuff. And he goes, oh, okay, cool. Well, we got a lot of shops down here, but I'm telling you right now, you know, we do have a couple closures. And I said, that's what I want to find out, what businesses are still open and what are shut, uh, what are shut down. And this guy was just like, well... You know, I'd say uh, your best bet, just uh, call all the shops you want to go to and ask them one by one. And I said, okay, you don't have like a master list or you can't give me like a heads up. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. I don't really have a list like that. I said, okay, great. So I hang up and I call Savannah Bee Company because they had the meadery there. You could try all the different meads on tap. Mm-hmm. And Shayla's not a beer drinker, but she does like mead. I called up and the woman who answered, I forgot her name by now. This woman, in my humble opinion, should be in charge of the downtown Boulder Chamber of Commerce. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that partially in jest, like this guy was a very nice guy that answered the phone. But this woman, her ear was to the ground. I mean, I'm like, hey, listen, blah, blah, blah. This is why we want to come to downtown Boulder. And she was just like listed off several different places downtown to eat and drink at. And she's like, all those places are closed. All your big box stores like Patagonia and those kind of places, they've all been shut down for at least, you know, a week. 
And then the neighbor store next to us, they just got the Dear John saying that they were closing as of noon today. All the downtown restaurants are officially closed as of noon yesterday. They only offer takeaway. And she's like, you're more than welcome to come. But I can't imagine us being open more than probably the end of the day. But this woman listed off like 10, 15 businesses downtown. Yeah. So shout out to Savannah Co. You probably saved us a boatload of money on a wasted vacation, and we will happily come back down when things start opening back up. But And shout out because your meat and honey was amazing. Yeah. And I'd right. uh, like to give a quick shout out to the Lighthouse, which is in downtown Boulder across the street from the Savannah Bee Company. Okay. And uh, they do statues, jewelry, tarot sets, books, and psychic readings. And while I was there, I picked up Ebotep, the African architect of the cosmos. Yeah, buddy. And I'm just going to give you a quick uh, quick little tease. Ebotep, the African, is an archaeological detective story of the Egyptian physician, architect, and astronomer Ebotep, who is not only a legendary historical figure, but was indeed black. Yeah, that whole part there itself is almost a scandal yeah. in the Egyptian era. Yeah. So I'm uh I'm uh, excited to delve into that book in the next month or two. So shit, yeah. I can't wait, man. The whole story of Imhotep is pretty fantastic. And we want to give a shout out to old Fritz at WSU Art History cuz that man I mean, he knew his Egypt. Oh yeah. <laughs> Front to back. Yep, and back to front. Hell yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a good trip, dude. Maybe we'll have a follow-up when Shayla and I get to go and everything kind of gets back opened up and running and uh, see if we have any spooky shit. What's crazy is normally we both have earplugs in when we sleep, especially at hotels. And uh, going to this place, I definitely don't want to use it. How do I forget what they're called? Earplugs while we're there. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge. So hopefully we don't get stuck to a... uh, noisy corridor maybe we'll call ahead and request somewhere quiet yeah third floor fourth floor <clears throat> yeah cool you guys got anything you want to suggest or plug as far as books or shows you're watching mm-hmm. i haven't been no. watching much of anything lately other than dave oh, yeah. tiger king <laughs> and tiger king yeah right Finish that cool yeah ozark season three yeah. is out it's uh it's definitely one of those seasons where you don't want things to go wrong and that's all that happens yeah I'm looking forward to watching it. Oh yeah. Well, I uh, I quickly just got into the, I guess you call it rabbit hole of collecting vinyl, <laughs> and just scored a original OST of The Exorcist. Pretty dope. So my plan is to listen to the soundtrack on vinyl as I read the book. <laughs> Nerd. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my plan. And then I should have a really badass little EP coming from eBay from Suspiria, which I accidentally won. So you were right, Steve. Nobody else bid on that thing. So seemed like a pretty obscure (laughs) thing for somebody to be like actively trying to find at the same time as you. Yeah, it really was. There was one person that bid against me and they took the bid up from like like three fifty to four twenty five. And so it auto bid me for four fifty five, and then nobody else even looked at it. Cool. So, oh well, cool. All right, guys. Well, let's plug some stuff and get out of here, Steve. Cool. Well, you can check out our horror movie podcast, Thirteen Nightmares. It's on iTunes, Spotify, and all the other podcast apps. Um, 
We love horror movies, and we our latest episode is over Alien. Turned out really well. Good job on the audio edit, Sean. And oh, thanks, um, man. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of audio edit, my puppy just found her squeaky cheeseburger, so hopefully I can cut most of that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good it's a good show, and I think everybody will enjoy it. If you like horror movies, check us out. All right, well, check us out on Instagram at PXL Paranormal, and then you can find us on Facebook, Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Get on there. We always post the visuals uh, for the photos for the each episode on Facebook and Instagram, respectively. And yeah, send us a send us a message, comments, likes, shares, all that stuff. It all it always helps us out. Yeah, most definitely. And give us some uh, rates and reviews on iTunes if you guys like to. We'd really sure appreciate that. And I want to quickly say, I think someone tried to call and leave a voicemail on our Google mm-hmm. number. Because I had, we have two missed calls, so I've yet to try them back because one of them was uh, Monday morning at 3.13 a.m., and then another was at 5.16 a.m., awesome. but they didn't leave a voicemail, so unfortunately, I don't have anything to post if they wanted to leave a story yeah. or anything, but yeah, I might give that number a call back uh, to see who it might have been, but... Yep, we do have a Google Voice number. If you guys want to call and leave us a message, let me find that real quick. That phone number should be 913-662-3144. Presto, what do you got, man? And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow the best goddamn shelter-in-place beer that a man can grow in these <laughs> times, then get your ass over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Because even if nobody else can smell it, you can pop in some Sweet Tobacco Bay Rum Fresh Classic Citrus. You'll just smell like the best that you can be with Dobbs. Hell yeah. And in times like today, you should probably wash your beard too. So while you're on there, grab yourself a bar of beard soap. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Check out our friends down at CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. I want to give a big shout out to Leslie and the gang down there. And also Leslie and John, uh, really good friends of our show. As soon as this stuff clears up, maybe we can get together and do another roundtable with them. Most definitely. Or maybe during this whole finagle, I mean... It wouldn't be more than 10 people with the five of us getting together. Yeah. Six of us with Brady. So maybe we can rock out one of those too. So check them out. Check out our friends down at Harry and Rock Road at Fast Print. And also check out the rest of the shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Check out Mark's solo show, Pixelated Sausage. Check out his Attack the Backlog video game review series where he goes through and does playthroughs and talks about old games that are uh, you know stacking up in the old backlogs. And then, like Steve, you mentioned it, check out 13 Nightmares as well. For sure. All right. I think that about does it. I can't think of anything else. All right, guys. Well, I can't wait till we record the next one. Hopefully, that'll be uh, all three of us together again. Indeed. Also, shop local. Oh, yeah, for sure. During these trying times, if you have a few bucks, do what you can. If you can spare anything, go buy some local craft beer. Go get some groceries at a local grocery store. Just anything yeah. you can do to go orders at yeah, your that's, favorite that's restaurants. That's big one. And if you order something from mm-hmm. a restaurant such as a big chain or just a local restaurant, tip the waiters and waitresses because they're, yeah. they're struggling really bad. 
also musicians and artists as well. Sometimes they'll be running specials on like art on their Instagrams, websites, or, you know, Facebooks. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things to earn extra money, but they also understand that times are tough. So oh, yeah. you have the ability to support that stuff. It all goes a long way. So, All right. Well, I guess beyond that, um, go wash your hands. Because yeah, if you don't, I'm going to send that bitch Carol Baskin after you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'd like to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. Stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.